left. He left so much, so much material behind. And you know what's brilliant as well? It's like he must have quite a few unreleased songs. Quite a few, brother. You mad? Since he passed away, he's probably brought out about five, six albums worth of tunes. Like, but you've got to remember, he might not have wanted any of those tunes to come out. They've all come out after he passed away. But what's brilliant for us is there's so many tunes where it's, it's as if Tupac left answers in all his tunes in case anyone tried to question anything about him in years to come. Did you watch the Biggie documentary? I haven't seen it yet, but I did watch the Frank Bruno and Mike Tyson documentary that we spoke about. Yeah, and how was it? It was wicked. Oh, yeah? It Go was on. unbelievable, man. It was emotional. It was touching. It was uh, a smiler. It was just, it was a really, really, really so enjoyable me, documentary. Are they, sat in, are they sat together? Are they interviewing each other? What's so, the so most of the documentary is Frank, his journey towards fighting Mike for the first time, but also what happened leading up to that fight. And then also what happened when they fought for the second time. Like many people might not know that Mike Tyson and Frank Bruno were supposed to fight on a certain date, but Mike Tyson had a car crash. Yeah. And their fight got postponed. But Bruno had already trained for four months in preparation and the fight was going to be in London at Wembley so if you imagine if that had taken place at that time when Tyson wasn't 100% he's having a lot of personal problems he could have lost uh, he, he might have lost so it, it, it showed a little bit of that but it also you know footage of Fr Frank and his family and then Frank meeting Tyson later on in the documentary and then Tyson says the deepest thing at the end of this documentary he goes Frank's been in one mental asylum He's like, I've been in 10. But he goes, it's not about whether I've been in 10 and he's been in one. It's more a case of like, I'm not here to feel sorry for Frank. And he wasn't being insensitive. He was just trying to say that. What he was trying to say is that don't feel sorry for people. It's okay to feel their pain. And sometimes pain can be transferable. And if you feel the pain of, a, of another individual in terms of their plight, you're going to be more effective helping them by acknowledging their pain than you are by feeling sorry for them or having pity for them. And Mike Tyson summed that up a lot better than I did. But it was it was brilliant to watch. And it, you, and Frank got so much out of it. You could see how he was like, I'm so glad that I came and saw him. So it was so almost like a therapy session. Yeah. And then he got to obviously like speak to Mike about their pasts, but also what they've been through since they fought each other. And um, he, like he left definitely left a happier man. And it was so brilliantly put together. The, the way that they, they had the guests, like they'd start always hash with the guests' voice. And then you would see them. Or some of them you wouldn't see, just hear their voices. Like, you never saw Frank Bruno's daughters on the programme. You only heard them talking as if they were being interviewed for, for the documentary. But loads of good old archive footage. And Frank is a brilliant, a brilliant man, uh, as, a, as, a, as you could tell as a man and as a fighter, like, he, he's obviously a, a wholesome guy. And it was nice for everyone who might not have been around when he was coming up to know that Britain had an unbelievable fighter. Like, let me just let me just try and give you a picture this year. Frank Bruno loses to Mike Tyson in three rounds, three or four rounds. He rocked Mike in round two as well. Rocked his world, bruv. So Frank's lost year, comes home to London, comes out of the airport. The streets are packed. This is for a boxer. Because they fought twice, Hash. People need to understand as well, like Bruno's career spanned from the 80s all the way into the 90s. Right, so they fought on the 25th of February, 1989. So he's come home and the streets are packed as if England have just won the World Cup. And that's what was nice, that England had a proper national hero. And it shows you that in the programme. Then it shows you how he sort of like after boxing, uh, sorry, he retired from boxing and then before he went back into boxing, like he'd done a bit of pantomimes and... Frank's got bipolar hash. 
he went through a bipolar situation when he when he retired from boxing and a lot of people therapists on the program feel that one of the factors might be that he was always having to justify his identity because of the labels that he had but let me tell you one thing Mike Tyson is one of the g'd up most baddest man on the planet whatever you want yeah, to say come from a very very hard 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 upbringing but he loved Frank Bruno mm. and he loves Frank Bruno they met when they were 15 years old so what I like is that Mike shows you the rule What's amazing about Tyson recently is that now that obviously he's got his podcast, um, you get to hear all these stories about him and how he felt about certain things at certain times and you really get an insight into his character and it's completely different. I mean, he's also, he seems like he's achieved this sense of enlightenment as well, yeah, where he's, he's just at ease with life and he's he's got demons, there, there are demons there, but it just feels like he's able to harness those demons. Yeah, the weed's helping. The weed's definitely the weed's helping. helping. But his, his podcast, I've been watching it for a couple of years. It's brilliant. I prefer the old setup to the new setup. He's, he's, he started a new series this year. Okay, so tell me what happened to... Um what happened to the co-host? So that's... Um, he he, um, he um, released a video. Eben, Eben. Eben. Mike, man, I want you to know, Mike, what you did... Fucking amazing, man. I love Ev, man. He was a, that geezer was such a top G. Yeah. Top, top G. But I don't know what's happened. Um, there's been a few things on YouTube. Why Why is he not in a new series? And then I think he put up a video he of explaining video. why he's not in it. Mm -hmm. um, you know how it is, Hash. Things get bigger. And then other people's opinions start coming in. And then they think they can make the show better. 100%. When really they should keep it probably how it was. But the reason why I bring that up is because I watch Pulp Fiction. So... I think Samuel Jackson's performance in Pulp Fiction just his doesn't best. get... I think it's his best. It doesn't get the love it I, deserves. I think it's his best. The deeper he gets into the role of Jules is just unbelievable. Once again, when you watch a film that you've watched loads of times, this time I love the fact that how, you know, there was instances where him and John Travolta could have got into beef, once in the bathroom and once in the car. And like the way that the conversation was handled, it was, it was just brilliant it was like they, they respect each other as gangsters they know they're both sociopaths but they don't want to go there because real recognize real and the way that this, the script was written and, and how quentin tarantino gets him to say that like when he goes to him look i know you're serious but don't disrespect me here it's my friend's house and then john travolta was like all right cool i understand so it was like i just saw it, I, I saw the film in a different light and i really i really got to appreciate the dialogue more and yeah i just thought samuel's samuel jackson's role in that was unbelievable when was the last time you saw it? I watched it as well. Oh, you've seen it, yeah? I watched it as well, yeah. Okay. So where would you put that film? A Friday night film, a Saturday night film, or a Sunday night film? I had this conversation with my mate, so I wanna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw three films at you. That's the first one. I see where you put them. And then I'll tell you what days I watched it on. I put it as either a Friday or a Saturday night film. All right, cool. I watched it on Friday. And then what about... Um... Actually, no. Friday's a better shout because it's quite... It's, it's a longish film. Yeah. But also, <clears> it's not like... It's a nice way to end the week watching Pulp Fiction. Yeah. And also, as well, just quickly on Pulp Fiction, like the scene where he's driving Uma Thurman up to the, to the house mm -hmm. and the way that it's late at night and... The drug dealer is smoking weed and eating cereal. I know it's not a big thing, but I just thought it was brilliant. It made the the, the, the guy's character even more authentic. Yeah. That Quentin thought that I want him to be eating cereal because only weed smokers most of the time will be eating cereal <laughs> between 11 p.m. and midnight um, because they need that sugary kind of cereal fix. So I love I love. There the, were so many serious scenes in that film. Oh, hash man. What about Bruce Willis and Marcella Suarez? 
that situation. But once the way they get out of the situation as well. He comes back as well. He's about to leave and he's like, do you know what? It's a bit deep. Whatever's happening to him right now is a bit too deep for me to just leave. Especially considering that he's already fucked him over once. But that's what I mean about the honourability of people. I love that way just on one thing on that scene where he where he's about to leave um, and then he goes to, he decides right cool I'm gonna go back and help him out. But first he needs to select his weapon, he needs to choose a weapon. So he goes around, starts with a hammer, looks around, sees a chainsaw, looks around, sees a gun, looks around, sees a samurai sword, he's like, do you know what? It's like he's weighing up every weapon, pros and cons. And when he finally sees the samurai, it's the perfect thing for everything he wants to do. Once again, the dialogue. Bruce Willis says to Marcel Wallace, so what about me and you? We cool. He goes, what about me and you? And he goes, are we cool? And then he goes to him, yeah, but two things. Don't tell no one what happened here and don't come back to LA. Once again, like, it's just <laughs> and he goes to him, he goes I want you to leave LA tonight right now <laughs> yeah and then he goes you lost all your LA passes the way that the, the way that the scenes are done you know even the fact like you've got the restaurant robbery yeah it's like gangsters have to eat as well so they're in that restaurant normally having something to eat they're having a conversation about whether Jules should leave the life after what happened with the shooting yeah. and, and, and the bullets that didn't hit him and even in that conversation, it gets heated because John Travolta's like, you're a bum if you just want to walk around and not do nothing. Like, what are you talking about? Like, he can't believe what Jules is saying to him. And he's like, Vincent, maybe you're not comfortable with the questions. Maybe you should think about the questions that you're asking me if you're not comfortable with the answers that I'm giving you. He was you. enlightened. Jules was enlightened. But it's very stern. It's very serious yeah. the way that Samuel Jackson's saying it to him. He's letting him know how serious I am about the change that I'm about to make. Yeah, but it's respected that it's going to stay verbal. Yeah. Because like, I love when Travolta goes to him, I'm going to go toilet yeah. to be continued yeah. but also you can you can also see Travolta getting to a point where he understands where Jules is coming from he, you can but the fact that he wants to carry on the conversation when he comes out of the toilet yeah. he's still not 100% yeah. that's it that's because he's going off to yeah. think about it and then, and then what I liked about that scene as well is John Travolta's in the toilet reading a book taking a shit yeah so you've got a gangster in the toilet reading a book taking a shit which goes to show that we're all normal people in the sense that we might have different lifestyles we might see different things like obviously what they saw on their day was completely different to anything that we've probably ever seen in our lives but they still have elements of human normality which is reading, shitting and eating in calves. It just goes to show the calf they were eating in went through the robbery scene, which was also dialogue gangster as well. Question for you. What do you think was on the back of Marcellus's head? Why do you think there was a plaster there for the duration of the film? The whole film he had a plaster at the back of his head. I don't know, but I love the fact that Quentin Tarantino's put a plaster on his head and you're asking me a question about that plaster in yeah. 2021. I could I could bounce back to you and say what was in the briefcase. There's so many, there's so many things that he put in that What's film. What's that called? Cool? Is, is, is that a type of method when you leave it to the you create a scene which you know the viewers are going to be debating maybe, about maybe but I just the way I see it and the way I see it with a lot of Tarantino films not everything needs to be explained nah. not everything needs to, that I mean, could have happened <clears> I don't know that could have been an incident that happened to Marcellus yesterday or a week before that has nothing to do with the story but so the film's a, all a in pieces thing. the film's all in pieces yeah, yeah. Non-linear. so is that plaster got anything to do with the fact that he had that, that thing stuck in his mouth when he was getting raped no how does no that doesn't fit in the no because mind. because Marcellus that scene happens after he's already met John Travolta yeah yeah yeah. and he sent them he has that plaster when he's speaking to, to Bruce at the beginning of the film he still yes. has that plaster yeah he still has that plaster so it's nothing to do that the reason I mention that is because I don't know if you notice when Bruce Willis shoots John Travolta yeah. John Travolta what clothes is he wearing he's wearing the t-shirt and the and, and the shorts yeah. so you can start to piece where where Quentin's trying to give you point yeah, to the yeah, film yeah. in terms of timeline the clothes are a big help yeah the clothes are a big help but you know what's brilliant as well um, when he calls up Marcellus Wallace and Samuel Jackson says to him I don't want to hear that you've got it under control. 
I want to hear Jules, don't worry, the cavalry's on the way. And then Marcellus goes to him, Jules, don't worry, the wolf's on the way. And he goes, like, oh, are you sending the wolf? He goes, you sending the wolf? And that was, that, that honey goes, you feeling better now, motherfucker? <laughs> and then it's just brilliant it banter. He's it brilliant banter yeah. between, between what are gangsters. Yeah. Um, so, no one writes dialogue like Tarantino. No one. Yeah, he's a genius. He's man. a genius. He's a genius. And Pulp Fiction is definitely a wicked Friday night movie. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant Friday night movie. Anyone that's listening to this that hasn't seen it, you need to watch it tonight because you got to say it's in the cool category. Yeah, it's in the slick category. It's also in the what? top ten. Yeah, I was gonna. I was just about to say, is that, yeah, is that in your top, in the top? Top ten. 10. Yeah. Top ten. Yeah, definitely. So you said also Saturday and Sunday night films. Yeah. Films so so where would you put Scarface? Sunday. Mm. Sunday. So you're ready for work. Ready Monday, for work. Just guesses you. You have to start it early on Sunday though, because it's a three-hour film. Yeah. After after your Sunday roast, sit, yeah. Sit back and watch Scarface. That's what I mean. I think like Saturday night you could watch a proper deep film. Yeah. Knowing that you got a Sunday to still like yeah. get it out your system. Yeah. But if you was to watch like a Once Upon a Time in America on a Sunday night, and then you got to go into work on Monday. Yeah. It's not just those films, but there's loads of films where people could debate like you know like for example, Inglorious True Bar- Romance. True Romance. <laughs> True Romance. Wow. What a film. What a film. Beautiful film. Go instantly now and just go to YouTube and put Hans Zimmer, You're So Cool, and listen to that piece of music all the way from start to finish. Yeah. Um, can I just say, I take this opportunity to say Hans Zimmer, you know if they say to you, if you go to, a, to an island, you can only have yeah. however many, Hans Zimmer will always be my number one choice. So your desert island discs are all Hans it could, Zimmer? It could be Hans Zimmer, just, yeah. just, his, just yeah. his library. Oh my God, bro. Yeah. Some of the films that he's done. What? Yeah, no, his, his, uh, comp- his composing, yeah unbelievable when you then match that with what you see on the screen when those two things combine Mm. that's what makes it that's what makes it memorable yeah um, makes scenes memorable yeah. and that's why the, 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 the song You're So Cool yeah. sorry the piece of music he wrote is called You're So Cool yeah. it, straight away you'll recognise um, I don't want to give away what scene it's in because yeah. I'd rather people in, in, enjoy the music and remember the scene um, but yeah great dialogue in that film and you know what a great love story man like the fact Beautiful that love story. the fact that regardless of her of her work she was still down regardless of, of, of he, where he was in his life that film let me, let me break something down to you about that film that film had nothing to do with what do you do where do you live and what, what have you got? Them free, them free, whatever the fuck you want to call right, them, man. didn't even come into it. So that's what's, that's what's, that's, that's, a true, why, that's why it's called True Romance. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right, bro. I like the way you just took that. That's why it's called a True Romance. And James Gandolfini's in that film, a young James Gandolfini. Christopher Walken was in that film as well. That scene was epic in the porter cabin when he comes to his dad's house and he sits down, takes off his jacket, sits all dressed up, suit. Oh, that's, that's a wicked film, actually. Yeah, true romance. Oh, Cecilia knows there's 17 different ways to lie. And he goes, he goes, you know what it is with you? He goes to Dennis Hopper, you know what it is with you? You're giving me everything, but you're telling me nothing. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, you know yeah. what, man? This, like, that, that whole scene is Dialogue just... carried that scene was just dialogue from, from... Yeah, but also facial expressions. Right? Oh, for sure. if, you, if you watch when Dennis Hopper, right? So Dennis Hopper realises that he's just about to die. Yeah. yeah. So he says, hey, I will have one of those cigarettes. And he goes, yeah, no problem. Gives him a cigarette, gives him a lighter. And then he starts to proceed to telling the story yeah, yeah, about yeah. the history of Italy. But he knew already, Hopper knew already when that cigarette's gone and his story's finished I'm gone, I'm gone. Yeah. so I'm gonna I'm gonna leave a memorable mark and that's why sometimes your exit can be just as memorable as your time during a moment so never underestimate the exit because Dennis Hopper's exit was fucking epic man he's been in some brilliant films as well man Dennis um, Hopper yeah and, and, and I say that with ignorance because I need to watch more Dennis Hopper films so that's what I'm gonna do I liked him best in 24 I think it was season 2 season 3 he played um, he played one of the one of the bad guys in 24 um, and he played it really 
Isn't he in Speed? He's in Speed as well, yeah. He's what a film speed. that is. That's a sick film. I think that's Sandra Bullock's, <laughs> one of Sandra Bullock's best films. Okay. Um, I liked her, her and Keanu, the way they yeah. the vibe in that film. And she was so natural. Yeah. Like, if you look at Sandra Bullock in Speed and then go and look at Sandra Bullock in the, the, the last film that she's made, you will see differences in her face. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Are you a fan of Keanu? Yeah, man. I think Keanu from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Have you seen Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? I haven't, no. Right, hash. Can you please make a note? Okay. So this is the film, in my opinion, that catapulted Keanu Reeves. Okay. It's called Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. It's a story about two thick, close high school mates. When I say thick, they're not thick, they're just a bit dipsy, right? They get a time machine to help them with their history uh, assignment and they go and get the real figures of history and bring them to the future. Okay. Yeah? This film is unbelievable. Genghis Khan, loads of different figures from history, chilling with Bill and Ted. What about you? You asked me that question. I feel like you asked me that in a way where you Keanu fan or you? No, I'm just curious. Okay. What's your kind of like Keanu? Matrix. Matrix was one of the first films I had at home, like on DVD when it first came out. That was one of the first DVDs I ever had. Yeah. Was the Matrix. So for me, Bill and Ted was the first film I saw Keanu. Devil's Advocate. Oh shit, yeah. Oh, come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, Pacino, what? Did you notice in that film when- He looked, he looked a bit, he looked a bit- But did you notice the women, how sometimes their yeah, faces yeah, would, there's, there's would a changing, monstrous? Yeah, there's a changing room Like scene. Lord of the Rings. Yeah, there's a scene where Charlie Theron's in the changing room and she just looks back and the flash of, flash of evil. That was a, that was a- Let me ask you a That's question. a Saturday night film. That's a Saturday That's night a Saturday film. Night That's film. Saturday night, well done. That's a proper Saturday. Let me ask you a question, all right? When she sees that mm-hmm. and no one else can see it and she can, imagine what it must be like for a person, how lonely it must be for them to see that and no one else in the room can see that. Yeah. And then they're telling you you're going mad. Yeah. Like, cause she went fucking, she lost it in that film. Yeah. She lost it. Pacino was a stone cold. He was stone, like with all the women and all that kind of seductiveness going on. Even like when you, when you look at him sat in his office and his office just looks yeah. like something out of... Yeah, he's, he's, he plays evil well. So well. He's the devil, man. He's the devil. He's the devil. He's the devil. Yeah, so Keanu was big in that film. You must have seen John Wick. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah. So, yeah, Keanu, Keanu's... The action scenes in John Wick are the best action scenes I've seen on film. So, you know your cousin, uh, the other night, we was talking with your cousin about yeah. Equilibrium. Uh-huh. The Equilibrium came out before John Wick, but you're talking about the close contact scenes, yeah? Close contact scenes. Close contact with guns, without guns. Yeah. So, if you watch Equilibrium, yeah. Christian Bale was working those moves long before Keanu. Right, okay. Yeah, Bale set the trend, yeah. and then Keanu took it into the weekend. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you should watch Equilibrium if you, if you like those scenes of, of uh, the fighting scenes. Did you watch the Biggie documentary? No, I haven't seen no. it. Did you watch it? No, no, it's just because when you mentioned it before, no. I didn't know if you'd, um, if you'd seen it either. I was going to watch it today. I might actually watch it today. Yeah, man. It, it looks, does look good. does look good. I finished... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Gamora. We watched it together. We watched the last season, episode season five. Yeah, season five. Yeah, so obviously... Um, Shall we just talk about it? Shall we just like, if you haven't... <laughs> well, if there's people haven't seen it. Yeah. yeah, listen, if, if, if you don't want to know about Gomorrah, just turn it off. Don't, yeah, don't listen to any more of this thing. But that shootout, I've got to talk about that shootout where he took his uncle, his auntie out of the game, man. Out of the game. Just the way, they, the game. The way they came out of the bushes. Yeah, yeah. When the car was driving, yeah. it was like... Yeah, he's back. Like you said, he's back. He's fully back. When he, but yeah, because he gets his, he pulls his cousin, the, the girl, from under the car. Yeah. And he puts the gun to the head of it. And he goes, Jenny Savastano's back. And he started cracking up. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, yeah, boy. 
But uh, more importantly, though, more importantly, did I send you? I sent you the. You did season five. You did, but there's no date. No, no. There, there, there was. They're looking to finish up filming in, in May. In May. Yeah. So possibly by the end of this year. We're hoping, hoping by November. Christmas. That'll be a nice Christmas present. Yeah. Five. Yeah. Santa Claus, please. Is this man. the last one? It's apparently the last it? one. Yeah. Okay. Did you watch the um the the little sneak video I sent? It's in the was article. There, was there a video in there? There's a, so you see some scenes. Was there? Yeah. Okay. See some scenes, Harry. All right. So um, Jenny's wife's so beautiful, man. She's just, oh, she's just one of the most amazing she's, she's women. She's wife. She is. She wife. is ride or die. Yeah. She's. I'll cuddle you. I'll kiss you. I'll, I'll kill for you. for you. I'll I'll cook for you, and I'll make sure your son is amazing, and yeah. not done in in a, in an oppressive way, like done in the honor of a of a wife to her husband mm -hmm. in her world in her life how she plays that character she is the most honorable wife you could ever ask for and i pray one day to have a woman <laughs> like her <laughs> but yeah man so what, what was your thoughts on season four compared to like three two and one so it was, obviously it was missing chiro di marta yeah how did that how did that feel for you it didn't feel too bad because okay. obviously we'd watched the film which comes in between season three, season four, which told just his story. Yeah, but um, in terms of when you were watching, did you did you feel like series four still like his presence was 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 kind of like missed? Because you got to remember as well when I watched. Of series. course, it's missed for sure. It's missed, but it didn't take away from what else was happening. Yeah, there were a lot of other. Because right. in a show like Gamora, the reason that makes it so good is because it's not just one or two main characters that are leading the show. All of the other characters as well and their stories. Because Gamora also sometimes it dedicates one episode just to like one of the soldiers. It won't yep. show it won't show Chiro, it won't show yep. it will just dedicate it to one of the soldiers. Like build character in that light. Exactly. Yeah. And show them going back to their homes, going back to their families. Um, what, what's that cool? Is that it's like it's brilliant. That you're right. How we have these kind of like mini side stories yeah. that could easily become their own series. Sure. Like who was Cheerio's really close mate when his daughter died? He, he's bulldog, the, not the, pitbull. Bull, uh, pitbull. Was it pitbull? Pitbull. Big guy. Yeah. Massive beard. Yeah. 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 So imagine like finding out what pitbull's story was. True. So yeah, you're right, man. It does does that brilliantly. Um, so that's why Chiro wasn't missed as much because. We saw we saw the beginning of some of the characters like Bluebeard and Nicola. Yeah, we saw them in season three towards the end. Of but season imagine three, you but... didn't know that film had been made. Uh, the people that watched series four when it first came out, yeah. they had no idea that they were making a Cheerio film. So the Cheerio film came out after the end of season four. Yeah. Okay. So it was like it was as if Roberto Saviano had realised that he'd made a massive boo boo yeah. by killing Cheerio yeah. because of the fallout from the viewers. People were. Going, oh, so you think that wasn't planned? People were losing their minds, bruv. No. I, I, well, it, it might have been planned, but it, we, we, none of us. You know what? You know what they said after series three. They said uh, the reason why Cheerio died is because heroes are not supposed to in this world in that life. Heroes don't they don't grow old. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They get popped. But I personally feel as well that they've they feel fucking hell like look at the the, the, Actually, the no. reaction. No, I'll tell you why. Because when we see Chiro in the water, yeah, you see bubbles coming out of his mouth. Everyone did say that. Yeah, 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 yeah. We, yeah, we were holding on. Yeah, we were holding on to that. Bruv, man's on Google when 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 that series finished, series three, the most searched thing on Google was is Chirio dead. Yeah, that's powerful. I'm not surprised. That is powerful. I'm not surprised. Yeah, so I think we might have seen the best Spurs eleven that I would like us to carry on playing with after the Burnley win. And then I, I think fully agree. I think Lamella should be the first sub to come on and Deli Alley. So the team that started against Burnley, that's our eleven for the rest of the season starting. 
And, and then in rotation and in fitness and fatigue and big games, the, the 12th player and the 13th player should be Deli Ali and, and Lamella. Yeah. Barring any random injuries to a defender and you've got to make a defensive substitution. And what did you say earlier today as well about Moore's position? Yeah, I just felt that playing Mora in the middle behind a striker, you get so much more of his work rate. Yeah. And he also... Um, helps your midfield. The one thing with, with with Spurs is we have to cut out allowing teams to run at us and we have to uh, cut out allowing teams getting their fullbacks to put in crosses in the box. We've, we've conceded way too many goals where it feels like our team, instead of going towards the ball, has kind of like barricaded itself onto its area line and these balls over the top or these like balls in between defenders you know eventually if you've got 10 shots against you one of them is going to go in but with Lucas Moura the way that when where we don't have the ball where he can drop in and and his work rate's good and he can complement the central midfielders in terms of chasing down the ball I think he does that and more effectively and better than any of the other players that play in that position. I'm not saying he's better than Deli Ali going forward because Deli does make those beautiful deep runs with Alderwin putting the ball on his feet. Lord of the Pings. Yeah, but that's why I reckon that when Mora's tired or we've got three games in a week, then Deli Ali is the natural replacement in the the, the, the role behind the striker. Yeah. The true test of this starting eleven <clears throat> will be when we play a better team than Burnley. Because obviously you've got more time for the attack. Yeah. What I think, you're absolutely right, Hash. It does, uh, the test will be uh, harder against a better team. But you've now got, in that midfield, you've now got uh, Hogbolt and Sissoko. I know I've said his name wrong, but you know who I mean. So there's your there's your kind of like shell and your protection. Then you've got Lucas Moura that can complement you going backwards and forwards. And he's great in the air as well. Great link-up player. And he always wants to run onto things like his third goal against Ajax in the Champions League where he never gave up to take that shot. Yeah. What a moment that was. What a moment. And I thought if Gareth Bale can stay fit, then you want to start him on the right. But what I don't want to see is... He's got a beautiful goal. Yeah, but if he's not fit, uh, Hash, I don't want to see, oh, let's just put Mora out on the right and play Deli Ali in the middle just to fit Mora in because you lose so much of what he can give you when you play him out wide. Even the goal we just spoke about against Ajax, he was dead centre. Do you know what I mean? So all I'm saying is um, I would love to see Jose play that for the rest of the season and I would like to see Spurs up their tempo, uh, their aggression off off the ball to win it back to now continue to be as free and as attacking with the ball as we were against Burnley. So the team that started <clears> against Burnley, that was the first time that team had had been chosen? I don't know if, it, if it's the first time that it's been chosen, but yeah. I, I believe it's the first time in a long time that that was the eleven combination that, that had been put out in a game yeah. in that formation yes and I thought uh, I thought it worked really well I thought it worked really really well no, so. it did four very good goals four but, really enjoyable goals yeah but Roy Keane was funny because Roy Keane was like We've got no. Say? he just goes like listen you beat Burnley yeah. you know you look okay today you got some good players yeah. but let's have it right yeah. you know I mean he's a fair point what he was trying <laughs> to say is that you're Spurs and you're going to crack or you're going to he you're does never, talk sense Roy Keane yeah and he goes no chance of top four yeah. with Roy Keane it's funny because you he might say something quite like controversial or quite funny even though he's never trying to be funny he might say something in february but then in march if if it's not gone the way he thought it was going to go he has to accept that people are going to are going to sort of rip him for that but he is right more times than he's wrong that's the one thing i'll definitely say um but yeah there's no misunderstanding when it comes to the point that he's trying to tell you uh with his opinion Um, and he according to him we got no chance and he's probably right he's He's probably spot on he's probably spot on definitely right 
we've got a game in hand on Arsenal. We beat Burnley. They've beaten Leicester. Leicester are above us. So you want, for Spurs to have any chance of getting in the top four, you need those teams to slip up. I think, though, the problem is there's too many teams above us that won't slip up. Let me break it down for you. You've got Man City. They're going to win the league. They're, they're the league, unbelievable. Sure, the machine is rolling. Yeah. yeah. They're just on fire. Then you've got Man United behind them with Leicester. Obviously, Leicester had to slip up. So there's three teams already. Then behind Leicester and Man United, you've got the West Ham's of the world, the Chelsea's of the world, and the Liverpool's of the world. So I've just named six or seven teams there that are sick yeah. before we've even got to the yeah. white heart bad man's from the lane. So <laughs> We're yeah. still in Europa, so there's, uh, there's that. Maybe Jose's going all out to win that. <laughs> but me and you went through some of the teams that are in that competition yeah. as well. And there's some heavyweight Heavy teams, teams, heavyweight teams in that competition. So once again... We started laughing when we got to like AC Milan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, uh, Ajax, AC Ajax. Milan, um, Man United, yeah. Arsenal, yeah. Leicester. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I think Leicester are out now. Oh, yeah. Leicester are out now. But yeah, I mean, obviously, once again, if we win that, no matter where we finish in the league, Jose will be Champions League next season. Beautiful. So we'll have to wait and see. Speaking of Republicans, <laughs> your man Donald Trump said he's gonna he's gonna run for re-election now that he's been acquitted. Well, he's he's back on the campaign trails. <laughs> he had a tour date yesterday that seemed to he's setting out his tour dates. Merchandise can be bought at the end of the show. Um, <laughs> He still look the same Trump. Nothing's changed. Yeah, Nothing's it's, changed about him. He's so he's entertaining, man. It's so hilarious. That it's like he dodged all of those. He didn't dodge the bullets. He swerved them with, with grace and elegance and followed due process. And there's a reason that he's standing there doing that, that speech last night because he's come out of whatever they try to do to him. And I'm still standing better than I ever been. And I just love like, I love like the fact that he's got that smile on his face and not, 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 not I don't love the fact that he's like him smiling. I just love the fact that like, he's a character. The saga continues. Yeah. yeah. If you and see him as a character, he's a funny character. You know, he's like, if they want me to beat Joe for a third time, then you want me to go? You want me to run for president? No problem. So he's, it's, uh, yeah, it's just crazy, man. No time, no time.